0: Thank you, Josh. We're, we're going to look at those three verses together. We're, we're doing the sermon right off the bat, so there is a chance that people who are late to church will miss the sermon entirely. Uh, I don't know whether that's a, a positive or a negative uh, for them, uh, but I'm going to pray as we uh, look at these uh, three verses together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us and in your love you speak to us. We thank you for this word in 1 Timothy that we've been reading together as a church we thank you for these three verses that speak about who we are, who you have made us as your church, and what you would have us do. We pray for humble, receptive hearts as we uh, hear your word. We pray that you would lead us to follow it. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Timothy 3, uh, 14 to 16. Uh, let me start with uh, these uh, quotes from, um, uh, this, this. from Jonathan Edwards. He said this, resolved. That I would do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory. Resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it was the last hour of my life. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, the 18th century Christian, wrote a series of resolutions where he says, I I no longer want to live in a sort of a casual way. I want to live deliberately for God. And so he said a a series of resolutions. And these resolutions came to my mind this week because I want to speak together as a church this morning about what it would look like for us to be very deliberate, to resolve together to be about God's purposes for us as a church. Uh, As Josh mentioned before, uh, each year around early march as it is now we do try to set a vision for the year ahead this is what we want to be about uh, as a church uh, together in the in the year ahead it it wasn't possible last year Uh, we've had all sorts of disruption as everybody in our world has had Uh, but here's the thing i I think that disruption gives us a unique opportunity as we meet together this morning to reset and resolve together to be about god's mission Uh, and with that in mind, let me ask you this. Why do you think this church exists? Uh, in one sense, you can answer that historically. You could talk about uh, there was a point in the history of the suburb of Warunga where those who lived in this part of Warunga were sick of walking up to St. Paul's. And so they said, well, let's build a church here. Uh, and we, that, that's part of the history of this church. You could talk about when this part of the church was built or, or that part. That's why it exists uh, from that perspective. But why, why do you think we exist? What do you think our purpose is? If someone was to ask you, uh, why do you think in this last year or two we've invested so much time and money in building new spaces as we have uh, in the other part of uh, this church premises? Why, why build a staff team? Uh, why have an AGM, as we're going to have uh, later this morning? Why, why, for many of us, I know many of you are involved in different ministries of the church, why invest your energies in those ministries Uh, why this gathering this morning why why spend all of this afternoon in prayer Uh, why take time to set a vision as a church Uh, what what is the purpose of this place I wonder what your answer to that would be in one sense if you're new here perhaps you might say well I'm not sure it's not clear what the purpose of uh, that this church is Uh, or maybe you've been here for years and perhaps it's still not clear or maybe it is but you don't feel that connected Uh, to it. Now, wherever you are at, I guess in that sort of spectrum, my goal this morning uh, simply is to try to motivate us for the four mission priorities that we're going to talk about uh, together for what we want to be about in 2021. And here's the thing about those priorities, it will not happen, at least not in a united way, not in a God-honoring way, if we're not able to be clear on the why question, why we exist as a church. And here's the thing, I'm not going to answer the why question. Uh, These verses in front of us, 1 Timothy 3, 14 to 16, uh, are going to answer it by giving us three pictures that that paint a picture of of who we are as a church. Actually, they're all in one verse, verse 15, and maybe, uh, Tim, if we could get that verse uh, up from the, the Bible reading before. Here it is, verse 15 actually shows us who and why we are a church, And then it shows us what we do as a result. It's all there in in one verse. And so let's look at these uh, three pictures in turn. Uh, Let me read verse 15 uh, again. If I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Three pictures uh, of who we are as a church. The first is this, We, we are God's household. Uh, we are those who by faith in Jesus Christ are able to call God our Father, the, the Holy God who we're told in the Bible lives in unapproachable light. You can call him Father and we together are his house. Uh, it is as Jesus says in John 14, he says, in my Father's house there's a place for you. Uh, that's who we are. We are the place where God dwells. Ask the Apostle Paul, who St. Andrew's Warunga is, why we exist, and his answer is, you are the dwelling place of God the Father. Now, I don't know whether that, uh, how that affects you, but that thrills me, that, that the God who made everything would, call, uh, would allow us to call him Father and would say, I'm going to dwell with them, my people. And uh, why has he done that? Well, it is actually the entire goal of salvation. I wonder if you've thought about it that way. That, that's the reason God saved you. Uh, from the very opening chapters of the Bible, which we've been looking at in recent weeks in Genesis, right to the very end in Revelation 21, where we hear this promise, now the dwelling of God is with us, with men and women. He will dwell with us, we will be, dwell with him, we will be his people. That's the whole purpose of salvation It's uh, as we pray in an old Anglican prayer at the end of a a communion service, uh, this is often prayed. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. Do you see what God is doing in his work of salvation through the Lord Jesus? He's bringing us home into his house. And so in many ways, uh, I think the way we need to think about who we are as a church is that we're we're a people who live between two welcomes. Uh, If you're a Christian, if you have come to the Lord Jesus by faith, you've been welcomed into God's house. He's now your father. But we're also those who are longing for the day when we will be welcomed home to our heavenly home when Jesus comes again. We live between those two welcomes. And actually living between those two welcomes drives us, it it motivates us, it it gives uh, reason for the actions that we're a part of. And so I want to say when it comes to this first picture, that we are God's house, uh, here's five things it should cause us to deliberately do. The first of them is this, it should humble us as a church to know that we are God's house. He dwells with sinners by grace, that's who we are, we are sinners and yet he dwells with us. Uh, one of my favorite uh, w- uh, colleagues over the years, uh, apart from my current colleagues, who are definitely my favorite, um, <laughs> one of my favorite colleagues was a guy called Jonathan Norgate, and I remember when we interviewed him for a, a job, this is in England, um, it gets to the point of the interview where you get to ask the person being interviewed, do you have any questions for us? And his one question was this, uh, is this a humble church? I remember being taken completely aback, I was waiting for the usual sort of questions you get at that point, what What a question. I wonder if we were asked that question here at St Andrews, what, what our answer would be. Are we a humble church? Well, if we are clear that we are God's house and we are only that by grace, it should humble us. A second thing it'll do, it should prompt us to do what we're going to do this afternoon, to know that we, we have access to the Father. We can, we can come to him uh, on our knees in prayer and ask for our needs. It should prompt us to do that. Uh, third, it should guide us. Uh, here, it, it's his house, and so... We walk in here and we say, not my will, but yours be done. That's the shape of this house. Fourth, I think it should thrill us. He's here. This place should be filled with praise. If, if you look at those pictures of the heavenly home that is waiting for us, that's what it is. It's filled with praise. And to be honest, that's what's so uh, frustrating about not being able to sing as a church. It's what we do because he's here. And finally, it should drive us on. Because here, because it's his house, everything matters. And so we should throw ourselves into the commitments that we're going to speak of today, because it's his house. Now uh, Here's the second picture. Not only are we God's house, we are, you see there in verse 15, the church of the living God. <laughs> Uh, emphasis on living and and that's very deliberate by the apostle Paul because uh, he writes to Timothy in Ephesus and uh, Ephesus is a a place dominated by worship of the Greek goddess Artemis Uh, all sorts of pomp and ceremony uh, in the temple that was built uh, for the goddess Artemis but in the end if you strip back the pomp and ceremony it is a lifeless statue And we don't worship the Greek goddess Artemis uh, now, but our age, our city has plenty of gods that we worship. Uh, The idol of freedom, the idol of sex, the idol of power and money and identity and our education and our careers. These are the things that we worship and think will help us. And I think here we're being reminded in this verse of the profound contrast between the living God and the gods of our age. He is alive. That's the difference. And the Bible's verdict on the gods of, uh, well, Ephesus and the gods of our age, of idols, is absolutely withering. Uh, read a chapter like Isaiah 48, and we're told this of these gods that are worshipped in our world. They're a burden for the weary. Can you imagine a worse thing to give a weary person than a burden? And that's what these idols are. And uh, then uh, Isaiah 48 goes on to say this. Though one cries out to them, they can't hear you or answer. But the living God, our God, our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He promises rest for the weary. And when we cry out for help, He is God, our Savior. And so we exist, and we have been saved for one purpose: for His glory, God, our Savior's glory, and that should drive everything that we do. Those same impulses that we saw before to be. Uh, Prompt us to pray it should drive us to be deliberate about what we do and it should also do this hebrews 12 verse 28 says this of this place this is a place where we should worship him with humble awe yes we talked about humility before but here's the other thing that should be here we should be in awe of our god not casual before him he's awesome and so this is the church of the living god may his house be filled with his praise and may we see that here with him everything matters Now, one final picture from this verse. What is this place? It is a pillar and a, well, my translation, a buttress for the truth. It's a great word, isn't it? Uh, This final picture of who we are is, if you like, two activities, pillar, buttress, and then one object, truth. Uh, Let's start with the object, uh, which I think answers, again, the why of this place, why this church exists. The church of the living God has at its heart, we're told here, truth. What truth? Well, it's the truth we've seen all the way through the letter. It's the truth, uh, you remember 1 verse 15, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the truth at the heart of this place. Uh, The truth of uh, chapter 2 verse 4, that we know that God wills that all people be saved. We know that there's only one God, one mediator between God and humanity. And he's made a way for that mediation by giving himself as a ransom. That's the truth of this place. And then there's this truth. Do you see verse 16 of our passage? Here's the truth. He appeared in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels. He was preached among the nations. He was believed on in the world, and then he was taken up in glory. Do you see the truth that's at the heart of this place? It's, It's a person. The heart of this place is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and when it comes to this truth, that is Jesus, the church has two jobs, we're told, verse 15. We serve as a pillar and a buttress of this truth. Now, let me take each of those in reverse. Let's start with buttress or bulwark is another translation. or uh, All sorts of different words are used, but they're all about this. Uh, it's what strengthens the house. You imagine an old uh, sort of cathedral with all the buttresses that sort are of lined up the side just holding the whole thing together. Well, that's what this truth does. It binds us. It builds us. And remember, this house is not a building, it's a people. And so we are in this house to serve each other with the truth that will make us strong. You know, when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he's writing to Timothy here in Ephesus, but when he previously had written to the Ephesians in chapter 4, he has a very similar picture to this, and he says, here is a word that has the power to put a life back together. Uh, Here is a word that uh, that is strong enough to grow someone up. Here is a word that uh, prepares us to live. Now, One of the mission priorities that we'll speak of in a moment for 2021 is to, to commit to growing by this truth, to being strengthened by this truth personally and for us to do that for one another. And so here we have this goal. May this house grow strong with this word of grace. And why is that so vital? Well, that's the other activity we have in front of us. We're not just a buttress, we're a pillar of the truth. And when you you hear pillar there, don't think structural pillar that sort of holds the building up. Uh, Think a pillar that puts something on display, holds it up high. You know, like uh, whenever the Olympics roll around, uh, they always put the Olympic torch up high to sort of, I don't know, to show the light and the hope that it's uh, meant to be conveying. And, or if you go to London, right there in the middle, Trafalgar Square, there's this giant column, and the only point of the column is to, uh, well, there at the top of it is uh, Horatio Nelson, uh, and it celebrates his victory at the Battle of Trafalgar. It's to celebrate that moment. Well, the church's job is to put Jesus, our saviour and hope, on display. Uh, The truth that, well, do you see there, 3.16, look at it again. This is what's at the top of the pillar. That Jesus was manifest in the flesh. The thing that we want to put on display is that the living God showed up in our world. That he entered the human world as one of us. That in his body, in his flesh, he suffered and died for us so that we could be forgiven. That in that same flesh, he conquered death so that we have the hope of being raised in our own flesh. That's the truth of this place, that we hold up to a dying world. And, and then there's this again, 3 verse 16. Uh, we can do that confidently because do you see it there, he was vindicated by the Spirit. You know, Isaiah promised that when Jesus came, he would be weak and he'd be despised and he'd be rejected, and he was. But then when he was raised by the Spirit of God, he was raised in power as king and judge forever. He's been vindicated as that. That's the truth of this place. And then there's this. He was, we're told, verse 16, seen by the angels or or literally seen by the messengers. And I think uh, Paul, there's sort of a double play on words there. He was seen by the heavenly angels. And remember when they announced the resurrection to the first disciples. But then he was also seen by the messengers that were the disciples that were to carry that news to the world. The first eyewitnesses saw him die. And then they saw him conquer death, never to die again. And then they were sent out into the world as those messengers. Now you read the start of uh, 1 John chapter 1, and, and John, you can see how much it moves him. He says, we saw him, we, we touched him, we, we ate with him, we, we saw life, eternal life, and we're proclaiming it to you. They're the messengers. And do you see what they did, verse 16? He was proclaimed in the nations. And then this started to happen. He was believed on in the world. And you start to see how it's reached us. It's traveled through time and history and distance. All the way to us, he believes on in the world in Morunga. What is this church for? This church is not Nelson's column. It's not your column. It's not my column. It is Jesus' column. We are to hold him up and out to our world as the hope of the world. And so as we speak of uh, mission priorities uh, throughout the morning, here's why we are committing to declaring him to our world we're doing it because it's why we exist it's who we are we are his pillar and so today's goal is really to deliberately set the course for the year ahead for us as a church we are the house of god we are the church of the god who is alive and will be alive forever and we are strengthened by that truth and now we hold it out to a world as hope may we be worthy of that calling well i'm going to pray And then the band are going to lead us in praising God. Uh, Obviously we can't sing yet, otherwise we'd have to half the congregation. But I do encourage you to use this song to reflect on who we are as a church. Let me pray and then we'll hear only a holy God. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your glorious purposes in salvation. That we have been made your house by grace, that we are the church of the living God who is alive and will never die. We thank you for this word that can strengthen us. We thank you for this word that we can offer to our world as hope. Make us worthy of this purpose, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.